0: You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast, episode 023. Today's show is a hashtag full Nelson experience as we're joined by my twin brother, Marcus. And together, we interview Ann Handley about a topic many of us struggle with, but few discuss. We're talking about imposter syndrome.
1: People who have written books, people who speak publicly, stand on stage in front of, you know, a thousand people. If they feel it, who doesn't have it? Uh-oh.
0: Welcome to the Up In Your Business
1: podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and
0: insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Up in your business podcast. I'm your host Angus Nelson. Welcome everybody. If this is your very first time, uh, super thankful that you took the time to listen. This is called the Up in Your Business podcast for a reason today is no exception. We're gonna talk about some deep issue uh, this whole element of uh, imposter syndrome, what it is and what people do is struggle with it in particular you're gonna hear some stories behind myself. We're joined by my identical twin brother, Marcus Nelson. Uh, we like to call it the hashtag full Nelson episode. And together we get to interview Ann Handley. Uh, it's a fantastic interview. I want to get to it real quick. So let me tell you a little bit about Anne. She's a veteran of creating and managing digital content. She builds relationships for organizations and individuals. So she wrote a Wall Street Journal bestseller called Everybody Writes, your go-to guide to creating ridiculously good content. She also co-authored a best-selling book, on content marketing called Content Rules, how to create killer blogs, podcasts, videos, Ebooks, webinars, and more that engage customers and ignite your business. She's the chief content officer at Marketing Profs. She's a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine, a LinkedIn influencer, a keynote speaker. She's a mom, she's a writer, and she's an all-around great person. I'm really happy you get the opportunity to hear her and to hear a little bit about behind the scenes of what makes Ann tick so with that let's jump into the interview right now welcome to the up in your business podcast I'm Angus Nelson and we're talking today with Ann Handley hello Ann what made you laugh the hardest this week
1: you didn't tell me this was going to be a quiz
0: well you know I got to start you off with a little bit of a curveball and speaking of curveballs pancakes. personalized personalized pancakes, pancakes. there you personalized
1: go personalized pancakes I can't say they made me laugh, but I will say that it's the thing that I loved the most about this week was was seeing your face on a pancake. That was so amazing. <laughs>
0: and when you say your face, uh, neither one of us know what you're talking about because we're joined on the broadcast today with my identical twin brother, Marcus Nelson. Hi, Marcus. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and Marcus was the one who actually had the artist uh, rendition pancake made of him.
1: Like, yeah, it, I know, but you guys are twins except, so it was your face.
0: It yeah, well, it well was, the thing right? is is that I think he used a photo that he thought was me and it was actually Angus cuz I think the pancake looks more like Angus than me. But his beard is long and yours you're the one with the long beard, Mr. hipster. You're more hipster than I am. It's more leninish, I think. Yes. Have you waxed it? You have your little scented stuff. No, 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 no. I, I trimmed it all up. Now it's not. It's you know so this little...
1: whole this whole twin problems thing that you're talking about. Like pretty much nobody listening to your <laughs> podcast can relate at Isn't all. Isn't it
0: like two percent <laughs> of the population has <laughs> some sort of twin? No, one percent. I don't know. Uh, well, well, that's that's good to get us started and get us all warmed up here. I <laughs> brought Ann onto the call as well as Marcus because uh, we've all kind of experienced uh, personally and professionally, and uh, just recently, uh, Ann actually posted this on her Facebook page, and I, it kind of created some great conversation. What we're talking about today is this whole element of uh, imposter syndrome. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, we'll we'll kind of get into that here in just a moment. But uh, I have a question for you, Anne. You posted this little question on there that said, so who doesn't feel like they have imposter syndrome? And then in parentheses you said, or hasn't at some point. That became 170-some-odd likes and a whole stream of comments, many from some of the most unlikely of people. Did that at all surprise you?
1: Um. Yes and no. I mean, I posted that because, you know, I had seen a, a piece that ran on, I think it was on BuzzFeed, um, that talked about imposter syndrome. It was, you know, something like 13 things that everybody with imposter syndrome understands. And it was surprising to me the number of people who I think of as accomplished, you know, people who have written books, people who, you know, speak publicly, stand on stage in front of, you know, a thousand people. Um, And they were sharing that on their Facebook page, you know, these people who are friends of mine. And that just blew me away. And I was like, wow, these people feel that, you know, people who from the outside look incredibly accomplished. They don't look like people who are anywhere close to what we might think of as an imposter. You know, so that was the question. Well, if they feel it, who doesn't have it? You know, so that's kind of where that whole thing came from.
0: Right. And so I I love that whole topic because I definitely have experienced it. So I was like, awesome. This sounds like a great topic to bring on the show. So obviously I reached out to you and, you know, whenever, you know, someone talks about the whole element of imposter syndrome or anything like this, that's along the lines of deep emotional stuff. It's like, woohoo, fear, shame, anxiety, yay, transparency <laughs> and vulnerability, not necessarily the, the like life of the party kind of conversation. And yet, I think we all have some sort of connection with it. Uh, Marcus, you and I were just talking before we got on the call. Like, how has this impacted you in your profession or personal life? Uh, You know, it's funny. Um, We were talking about being twins and whatever and how that's, you know, not many people can relate. I did Google it, by the way. It says that 2% of moms under 24 have twins. 20% of moms over 45 have twins. Isn't that weird? Okay. Anyway, a little tidbit, useless information. So I think ha- having a twin and growing up uh, in a pretty stable family and, and um, you know, we always, you know, we went to the same schools all of our lives and never really traveled or not traveled, but, um, you know, didn't move schools or anything. We grew up with the same set of friends all of our lives and everything. And I think there was a bit of a safety net there that created uh, a security mm-hmm. and, and because of that, even after Angus and I kind of follow different paths after school, um, I've never really had issues with um, confidence or you know being able to take something on. Even if I didn't think I had the experience, I figured, you know, I'll read it. I'll teach myself. And, and I did. I, you know, I taught myself HTML in 1996 or whatever and learned about marketing. I just had this voracious appetite for books. And I never really had an issue until... Um, I think when it really started was uh, when I had started a company called Advocate and the board had made the decision to merge us with another company and uh, required me to step down as an exchange for funding. And, um, and that, you know, turned into a big fiasco and I ended up just leaving. And that's when things I think really kind of started where I kind of felt like, well, maybe I'm not as good as I think I was, or I'm not as capable, or I'm not, uh, you know, who other people think I am. That type of thing, um, and that's been a that's been an interesting struggle, you know, to kind of like reassess. And, and plus, I'm at that weird age where it's like, you know, middle age crisis, like reinvent and regret and, and the horror. Um, <laughs> and now I've got teenagers, so that you know, there's <laughs> right, stack that stacked that right. on top, you know. Um, Dad, you just don't know and I'm like, I know I don't know. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying. Yeah. Um
0: So I yeah, it's it's been an interesting roller coaster just the last couple of years where I, I actually have to like take a step back and start reassessing like capabilities and you know what you know I don't I don't believe my own bullshit anymore type thing, right. you know. Right. And um And so what that's required me to do to kind of go back to the beginning and start reading and start like going back to that, putting your nose to the grindstone, realizing, Mm -hmm. all right, no, I I still can do this. I'm just, it's going to be work. And um, almost like you have to kind of retrain that brain again. uh, Yeah. 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 I got to a point where I think I, I knew a lot and I was very capable and I was recognized for it. And that, you know, helped your ego quite a bit as far as, you know, confidence and, stature and whatever mm-hmm. um but then yeah you take a couple hits and then suddenly you're you know feel a okay. little sorry for yourself and you start <laughs> licking your wounds and yeah. you're like nobody loves me i'm gonna go eat dirt <laughs> you know whatever and for you and so you had kind of a different upbringing contrary to twins growing up and always having you know our little gregariousness you were a little bit more reserved. I remember listening to one of your presentations at Inbound. Can you kind of share a little bit how you kind of entered into all of this for lack of better terms, obscurity in childhood to now <laughs> you're being thrusted on big stages and in front of cameras, et cetera?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's really that's really the source of of my sort of anxiety, I guess, more than anything else. But um but yeah, I mean I grew up it was a very stable and secure environment, but I was I did not have a twin. I used to pretend that I had a twin, just so you guys know uh, nice. all the time, but I was the youngest of four by far. I have three siblings who are you know quite a bit older than me, and so essentially i w- I, I always felt like I had five parents, you know my two actual parents and then my three older siblings um, and I was like the only kid in that scenario, so in some ways, it was wonderful because you know I was doted upon and I was sort of the mascot of the family but um but at the same time, it also sort of left me feeling, you know, capable in a lot of ways, but also sort of shy and, and, um, and not really, you know, not very extroverted at all because I'd never really had to be, you know, you never really have to ask for anything or fight for anything when, when you're the youngest, you know, you sort of just get it. Um, and so, so I sort of had a different. Um, I don't know. I just, I just grew up differently. I just always, I, I, I sort of, you know, was, was a pretty strong introvert, um, and still am actually, it's just that I've, I'm sort of an extroverted introvert now. I mean, I can play an extrovert really easily until I need to go, you know, lie down on my bed for three days and recover from all my, right, right. all my playing an extrovert. Um, but I definitely need, you know, I need time to sort of regroup just on my own, you know, just, just being alone is, is actually really, um, a great feeling for me. Um, So so really, my insecurity as a kid just, you know, comes out of that sort of just always wanting to be under the radar, never really needing to put myself out there. And so it sort of became this almost, oh, I don't know, chronic thing where, you know, when you don't never have to put yourself out there, Mm -hmm. then you never do. Um, And so my whole imposter syndrome thing really came much later in life too, where, you know, I had written a book, um, with my good friend CC Chapman, content rules. And then, um, and then five years later came out with everybody writes, but it was really for when when I wrote content rules and found myself, you know, having to be out there because, you know, I couldn't just write a book and and then, you know, quietly expect it to sell. Of course, you know, a big piece of being an author is suddenly you find yourself thrust into sales. And so I really had to be out there. I had to speak. I had to write. I had to sort of put yourself out there or put myself out there, Um, which I think is true of any, creative person or anybody who has any ideas, you know, putting yourself out there means being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which suddenly makes you think, you know, should I be putting myself out there? At least yeah. that's what it did for me. Um, and so that's really where it came from for me. You know, who am I to think about, you know, who am I to say that I know how to, how to, you know, use content marketing? Who am I to write a book? You know, who am I to be up there on stage and that kind of thing? Because it wasn't a place that I was really comfortable with.
0: Yeah, that's uh, and that's some of the questions right there, and I will share some of those as well, some of the other questions related to that, but I want to just kind of back up just quick to give some people a little bit more of a, a deeper level of what we're talking about, this whole imposter syndrome. It was a term that was kind of coined in 1978. I did some research on this by uh, some psychologists named Clance and Imes, and they determined or, or defined it as high-achieving individuals marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as fraud. And so that can look very different for many people. It can feel like anxiety or stress or low self-confidence, depression, shame, self-doubt, etc., and it goes on to say, uh, people who suffer from imposter syndrome tend to reflect and dwell upon extreme failure, mistakes, and negative feedback from others. And when not addressed, imposter syndrome can limit exploration and the courage to delve into new experiences in fear of exposing that failure. Mm-hmm. And so I love both of your stories and, and mine similar, you know, I, I tried to, uh, do something significant in our hometown and without going into all of it, um, you know I, I went through a divorce and i was in uh, i was suffering from addiction and i went through all this stuff after what prior seemed like you know kind of you know high achiever and accomplishing a whole lot in my 20s only in the 30s to feel like i fell flat on my face and now where do we go from here and so on one end people suffer because of failure and now that becomes an imposter syndrome and then others actually fail from the opposite and similar to what you were saying, Anne, is like the success starts to create some of those things. So especially if you succeed early in life, now you've got to hit that bar that is so high up over and over again. And I think we all share some friends' likes and even people that commented on your, your Facebook feed that you're absolutely right. It's hard to imagine that those people suffer from that. And yet we all do. So, so here's some of those other questions. Am I good enough? Who gave me permission to do this? Why should anybody listen to me? Or what if they really knew who I was? So I'm going to turn this question to you, Anne, first. If you are dealing with those questions, what are some of the ways that you contend with those voices? Mm.
1: So I think the way that it manifests for me um, really is you know, do I have the right to talk about this? Like do Am I enough of a expert? You know, who is it? Who is an expert? If, if, you know, if it's not me, then who is it? Um, and so the way that it manifests for me is that um, I'm almost, I become almost obsessed with finding out everything I can about something because I feel like if, you know, like, for example, um, just to, just to, talk about this in real terms so like when I wrote Everybody Writes right I mean I look I read almost every single book out there about writing you know advice about writing um, some of them written by really famous people like Stephen King Mm -hmm. and so you can sort of see in that scenario like who am I to write about writing so what I did first is I went through and I read everything that had been written um, about writing and then I figure out okay so given that like just let's just assume though that I have zero platform. You know, I have there's no reason why I should be able to stick a stake in the ground and say that you know I'm going to write a book about writing, mm-hmm. um, and then I try to spin it in. Well, what is my actual take on it? So I guess in some ways, like I think about the notion of imposter syndrome is actually more of a motivator than anything else because I ask those hard questions before anybody in my audience so to you know, my broadly, my audience ever does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily see it as a negative in terms of the way that it's manifesting for me. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. What about you, Marcus? Wow. How have you, how have you contended? <laughs> like you said, <laughs> you did, you've been diving back into, you know, learning. Yeah. Um, so let's say those voices pop up again, where do you go to feel safe again? Where do you go to, to get back on top of that? Belveny Scotch. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I, I've been drinking quite little. Uh, quite. Not you're right you're all on the, the health I kick. I have not been drinking. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, with my health kick, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm been. Part of me dealing and coping with uh, that has been going to the gym. When I moved down, we sold our house up in Silicon Valley and... Moved down here almost two years ago. I guess in July it'll be two years. Moved to Orange County to be closer to family and to kind of reassess life. And uh, started going to the gym. I seen a Facebook post by a friend Tyler Crowley and asked him what he was doing, and he kind of gave me a little blueprint to get started. And then my wife happened upon a gym and you know started going to the gym and. I've lost probably 35 pounds. I went from 41% body fat. And right now, I'm about 24% body fat. You know, just basically using that as a method of taking control. Yeah. Hmm. Um, You know, my health had suffered quite a bit doing startups and not taking care of myself and going to cocktail parties all the time and eating lots of rich food. And San Francisco is really easy to do. There's so much good food there. And then, you know, from reading, I've been reading uh, like Amy Cuddy, the book Presence. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Amy Amy takes it from the perspective of your your posture, right? You you think about what you deserve and, and how you got somewhere. And in her own testimony, she says that, when she was in college, after what first or second year, she went to one of her professors and said i don't belong here," and the girl you know pointed in her face and said, you absolutely belong here and and it wasn't until later when she became a professor herself, somebody else, one of her students had come to her and did the same thing and that's when all of a sudden the light went on is like you absolutely belong here, you know mm-hmm. you you fought to be here. You deserve to be here. And I think that's for me is like finding the fight. Like what is the fight I want to take on? When you take major hits, you feel like um there's not a whole lot of fight left in you. And you, you, you kinda have to step back, reassess, and you just don't wanna fight. You know, it's it's easier for you to to um lick your wounds and, and mm-hmm. to you know um, take some sort of solace in your own pity party or whatever. But, you know, the problem with a pity party is that, you know, the only invited person is you, and you are the one that extended the invitation. <laughs> and that's not a good place to be. Yeah. So to, to step out of that and, you know, to have other people recognize you, you know, I started writing again. I did a couple of blog posts, and I, I, I love writing, but I, it's I'm still having some coping issues, I guess, and feeling, you know, I'm going to say something stupid and somebody's going to judge me and think I'm wrong. And your, your opinion's not correct. You're not informed or whatever. You're not in the Valley anymore. What do you know? And so there's that still those little demons that kind of, and you just kind of have to figure out a way around them. Um, but I, I tell you though, that the Amy thing, uh, Amy Cuddy, the, the part that I think is really resonating with me at this point is realizing that you deserve to be there. Mm. And going back and reading what comments people have put on your blog, re encouraging yourself that actually, no, somebody did get something out of this. You know, I'm not stupid. I'm not an idiot. I I did something smart and people appreciate it. And it's just even now recently, uh, you know, I just took on this role as a CMO for Scorch Agency, uh, a friend that actually Anne introduced us. Remember that at Marketing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he has hounded me ever since then, like, Marcus, you should, we should do something together. We should do, something. and I'm like, ah, you know, you, you, yeah, I, I don't want to work agency. I've never done agency before. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, Chris really did a lot to help me, um, just encourage me and mm-hmm. put me in a right state of mind that somebody, you need somebody sometimes to believe in you. Oh, <laughs> God, here <it> comes. <laughs> ah! Um, sometimes you need somebody to believe in you more than you do mm-hmm.
1: mm.
0: yeah in fact, I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can recognize is that it 's not in who we believe in that really transforms us, but rather those that believe in us. yeah, thanks for sharing that marcus there there's other elements too that with people that we were saying before that you don't expect you know it was Seth Godin who in the Icarus deception. He said that he still feels like a fraud. And there's been stories of people who have won the presidency and have entered into the Oval Office, sat down at the seat, and said, I hope nobody finds out I'm in here. It was Maya Angelou uh, that wrote, I've written 11 books, but each time I think, uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. And there's an author, an English author named Neil Gaiman. He said, the first problem of any kind of even limited success is the unshakable conviction that you are getting away with something and that at any moment now, someone will discover you. (laughs) And here's the irony or the paradox in all of this is all of us really strive to be known. That's really, we want to be understood. And at the same token, like... But not all together. don't I don't want you to know all of me. like I don't want you to know this part, right? And whether it's pride or self-worth or humility, I don't know what it is. But I want to start speaking to like the other side of it. So the opposite of the imposter syndrome in everybody writes, um, by the way, this is a little side note for you, Anne. I, I don't think I'm very funny when I write. In fact, I'm probably really dry and a little straightforward. And I love what you said, something along the lines of, you know, write it first and then go back and make it funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's something there that's kind of a, a wonderful little metaphor for my own life, too, is just, <laughs> you know, just look back and laugh. And and it, in that book, you talk about the process of writing. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe there's a process in contending with imposter syndrome, like in how to establish the appropriate self awareness? Hmm. That's a really deep question. I don't know. Where- yeah, I, know. <laughs> I just kind of came up with that.
1: That's interesting. Hmm. Um. You know, probably. I mean, I. I guess. I guess in a sense, you know, it's it's like as I was saying before, you know, really figuring out a place to put it so that it doesn't completely unhinge you, you know, um, or undermine you. But I think instead sort of using it to fuel momentum in in some way. I mean, I I think I should just say, you know, I really do think that having some measure of imposter syndrome is actually a positive thing. Um, I feel like anybody who doesn't have it is, you know, either just kind of a total jerk and thinks of themselves (laughs) a little bit too highly. Right. um, Or they just don't grow. Because I think if you are always wading into new waters, you know, just like Marcus, just like you do. It's like, of course, you're going to have imposter syndrome because you're putting yourself out there in uncomfortable situations. Mm. And so I don't know how in that situation you don't like if you're completely cocksure, then you're probably kind of a dick, right? Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm just saying. So I don't know, like I think, you know, but but the key, of course, is to have a just sort of some measure of of, um, of imposter syndrome so that it looks more like humility and so that it doesn't completely swamp you. Right. It doesn't completely overwhelm you. Um, and so I think to me that I don't know what the the actual metric or, or measure is or or perspective is, but I think there's something in there is sort of the formula that works for me. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I think without, as I said, I mean, I think without some measure of it. Um, actually, I think on my Facebook post, one of my friends commented on there. Um, I have to try to remember what it was. It was a quote by, I think it was, was it Bertrand Russell? I think she said um, that the trouble with the world is that there are that the stupid are sure, and the and the and the smarter full of doubt or something like that. I probably got it a little bit wrong, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's absolutely true. I think that you know the. It, very often, you know, if you, if again, if you don't have some, some spot of it, you know, then you yeah. probably, I, I think, I think as a professional, as a, as a human, as a, as an empathetic person, you really, I, I just feel like you, most of us do. And, you know,
0: I, I think there's a tendency, even getting up in front of people to speak, I have two things that go through my brain every time. And it doesn't matter how, comfortable i am with the crowd one i have to pee (laughs) and i do too and two am i i the question says you know is this the time i stick my foot in my mouth is is this the day you know Mm. like those are those things that um daring greatly um
1: brené brown brené
0: brown she says uh foreboding joy Mm-hmm. Like we, we struggle to be present in the moment and just be happy, content and know that this is the place we're to be. And I think part of, if there is a process, I mean, we just threw that out there. Um, I think having the right audience around you, the right, and I don't mean audience like crowd, I mean like your, your peers, mm-hmm. you know, people that make you feel safe or have permission to be transparent or in that moment, you can call them and say, you know, right now I am not feeling really comfortable or confident. I think that's critical is having a safe place. And maybe that's that's why your post had the traction. People feel that you're a safe person, Anne.
1: Well, it's funny that you say that, though, because it, I think it's important to find your squad, so to speak. You mm. know, the the tribe that you want, that you, that you do feel safe with and that you can invest in those friendships. Mm-hmm. Um so I got off the, I'll just tell you a, a, a story about that and choosing those people well, so I got off stage, I was at a big event, I thought I had done a really great job you know, I sort of felt like you know, like like when you're speaking and you guys maybe can recognize this feeling, but you know you're on stage, you're doing your thing, you get off, and it's like, yes, I totally nailed that yeah. right and so I had been speaking to a big room there was maybe I don't know a thousand people in there or something um. And I got off stage and I ran into the event organizer and she said, you know, how did it go? How did it go? And I was just like, well, you know, I think it went really well. Now, again, I felt like I did really well. I knew yeah. that I killed it in my heart. <laughs> and but what I said to her was, um, you know, I mean, I think I did pretty well. I was so surprised at the size of the room and I was a little nervous about it when I saw it. But then and she sort of stopped me and she said, and you know what, that's getting really old. <laughs> and, mm. and it was sort of a wake up call for me. Like I was just saying I was giving a little bit of the internal process. I was sort of throwing back the covers a little bit and yeah. saying I'm not totally sure every time I go out there, you know. But in a sense, that is what drives me to to do my best. If I didn't feel that way, that would probably mean that I didn't care and yeah. I probably wouldn't be effective at all. But in the in terms of what I was sharing, I realized, OK, you know mm. what? This is not the place to share it. And so I think you do have to be careful with who you're going to show. Um mm-hmm. so I don't know, maybe people did feel that way on my Facebook post, but I was su- actually surprised at the number of people who didn't show just me, but Facebook is a public platform, right? Yeah. They were showing, you know, far many more people than just me. So, um so I was gratified by that, but I was also really surprised like wow, this is mm. this is great actually, but surprising.
0: Yeah, and and maybe that's an element is If we identify with something that deep, we want to just say, me too. Yeah. Marcus, do you have something you want to share over there? You look like you're intensely looking at something. I I, I am. I was just, uh, I wrote a post. I was just looking at the date to figure out when I was in that state of mind. Um, It was May 8th, uh, 2014. And I wrote a post on LinkedIn and I said, uh, the four most important words. And it was just a reminder of, um, I think it just, cause that was the timing where things were happening with my old company and things were not cool and copacetic at home with the kids and just me, you know, in my own pity party and yada, yada, yada. Um, and, uh, those four important words I wrote was I believe in you mm. and I really needed somebody to say that to me. Um, so I wrote it to myself. Mm mm-hmm and um and then, oh gee and, and then i shared it with the world and i shared it with the world and um i had one person comment on it right and like four likes or something and it just was like okay it just was for me <laughs> oh, right? Oh, uh, but and again you know that goes back to that same thing it's like sometimes you put your heart into something and your um you know blood and sweat into something and then it just doesn't resonate and then you do something else and it's just totally slip shot you don't give a rat you just throw it out there and it takes off like wildfire and you're like "What? The? <laughs> come on so uh, yeah i think sometimes we we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform mm. that oftentimes when we just step back and just let something happen um it's amazing what the universe just kind of Presents um, yeah. when you just let go. Yeah, that's awesome, Marcus. I think that element. If you're listening to this, whether it's getting up in front of somebody, and now you find out, like my, I remember one time I got up and there were like three CMOs in the room, and I was like. Grr. You could be that guy or you could be someone Mm. like Marcus was sharing where you're in a transition and it's a bridge from where you were to where you're going. And as I said last week when I was talking to Jason Miller, I said, you know, life prepares you for what life is preparing for you. That this part of the journey is still an important critical component that don't give up in the middle of the process. Like all of this comes down to no matter where you're at to discover this one thing, you're not alone. Every one of us suffers and struggles with imposter syndrome and every one of us struggle with, you know, self-worth and things of that nature. But here's something I want to share with you. This comes from uh, Marianne Williamson. I'm sure you've heard it before, but I want to share it on this uh, show. It says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light and not our darkness that most frightens us. For we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your plain, small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. As we look at all of this, it's such a deep topic, and yet... It is the most liberating thing possible. And Anne, you shared at the end of your 2014 Inbound Talk entitled, Follow Your Fear, you ended with the statement, when something scares you, it's oftentimes the very thing worth doing. It's time we lean into those fears.
1: Yeah, it's true. Wow,
0: that was deep. You guys, thank you so much for being a part of this and sharing your heart.
1: Uh, thank you. This was fun. I don't know how fun it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Uh, Ann, if you uh, want people to get a hold of you, what's the best way they can uh, contact you?
1: Um, you can reach out via com or I'm on twitter at marketing profs or at ann hanley either one
0: and marcus what about you shoot what should i do at marcus Marcus nelson Nelson, twitter i'll help you out there he's still recovering over there that's awesome (laughs) i'm gonna need a moment um all the books uh ann mentioned her books that she wrote a website everything that we talked about we'll put that all in the show notes uh thank you all for uh joining today this has been getting up in your business thank you Well, that was great fun. Um, And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. Um, That was super deep. And um, I'm very, very grateful for two friends who... Uh, open themselves up to be a part of that conversation. I hope you got some great nuggets out of that, that you know that you're not alone, that you got to lean into fear, that you can shine and be uh, your full self. You don't have to shrink back in fear. There were so many great things that were shared, and I wish I could tell you that was all completely planned out, and we were so super brilliant to be able to put it together, but um, that was... Fantastic spontaneity doing what spontaneity spontaneity does best, but more importantly, um, great transparency. So I hope that inspires you to take a look in the mirror, to take a look at some of the things that you contend with, to beyond anything else, realize that you're not alone. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter where you're at, you are not alone. Uh, If you are listening to this show and you found some value in it, I would be super grateful if you went over to the iTunes Store and wrote a review and uh, tell me what you think, um, if this particular interview and, and show impacted you in any way that you'd like someone to talk to, or you're continuing with something. I want you to know I'm a listening ear, and I would love to connect with you. You can simply send me an email at hello at AngusNelson.com. I want to make myself available to you. You can come and find me on Twitter at Angus Nelson. Um, I'm here for you. And uh, this is a heck of a ride. We're 23 shows into this, and it gets better and better. I'm getting more comfortable and confident in how we do things around here. And um, I'm hoping that you are getting the opportunity to listen to more and more of these shows. Um, Hopefully, you're listening to some of the latter ones as they get better and better. But I have interviewed some great guests, everything from Chris Brogan to Peter Shankman, Joel Com, Brian Kramer, Ekaterina Walter, uh, John Michael Morgan, uh, Aaron Walker. Uh, the list goes on. Um, there's some great people I've had the honor and privilege to be a part of uh, in this show. But more importantly than any of that is you. I am so grateful for you taking the time to listen. It's always a pleasure to have you take time to invest in yourself, and that's why I do what I do, that you would spend your precious time with this great community. That makes me so grateful. I wish you the best. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. This has been Angus Nelson, setting you free to be your most effective self. Be amazing, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Up in Your Business Podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's
1: com.